This podcast is a TOEFOP production. Head to TOEFOP.com for more. The following episode of TOEFOP is rated MA for mature audiences. It may contain sexual references, time travel references, allegations of bin misconduct, and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that this episode is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who thinks a comedy conversation between two old mates sounds like a terrible idea for a show. Minors must be accompanied by a parent or guardian. This is John Deke speaking. This is Tofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Hello and thank you for watching. And Will, I think all those people who have been suspicious about 5G, they're onto something. They are onto something because uh, uh, we just tried to record an episode using our brand new 5G dongles and the whole thing shat itself. So I agree with those people who say not only does it kill bumblebees, but it stops uh, uh, the grand, the, the, the godfathers of Australian podcasting. Charlie Clawson and Will Anderson from recording an episode of TOEFOP. I mean, a couple of dongles have been stopped by a dongle. So <laughs> here's what I would say. I'm not sure the 5G conspiracies are ever that it's shit, that it's trying to silence podcasters. The conspiracies are normally that it works so well that it's killing bumblebees and giving you COVID. Like, I don't think much of the conspiracy around 5G is that 5G is just shit, <laughs> that it's not actually as good as 3G. It's like, you know, we're like... It's like Scream 5 or something like that. It's like, you know what? It's still good, but it's actually not as good as Scream 1 or 2. Yeah, I I, I get that. It's just that, you know, I've been doing my research, Will. I've been doing my own research. (laughs) And when it came to... uh, It's funny, isn't it? Like, we bring up Elon Musk two weeks ago about should we get Starlink? And then suddenly Elon Musk is the saviour of the Ukraine. Elon Musk is the saviour of the New South Wales floods, sending out bloody satellite dishes. Is it time to appeal to? I know we've done we've, we've said some pretty bad things about Elon Musk, but is it time to put an appeal out to Elon Musk to say, "Hey, mate, can you chuck us a dish? Our podcast is suffering." Mate, this is what I don't get about Elon Musk: is he could do so much more than he does. Whenever yeah. he is asked for help, he does what I would consider to be the bare minimum for somebody who has the resources that he has. Right? Like, I think that he could, like, he's so far richer than the next richest person that, like. <laughs> the level of spending that he would have to do. And all he does is send a few satellites somewhere or sends a few emergency packs to Australia and then everyone's like, Elon Musk is the best, look what he's done. It's the equivalent of you or I walking past somebody <laughs> and giving them a one-cent coin and they're like, oh, thanks, man. It's really good to have this one-cent coin <laughs> currency that nowhere will actually accept anymore. You got, You are a real legend. You're a hero. Well, what did you? All right, what would you if you could um, uh, uh, turn him into a good billionaire? What's he doing? Like anything, like anything is possible. You can turn him into Batman. You can turn him into George Soros. Like what? What are you? What are you molding him into? Well, here's what I would say about Elon Musk: is I think that some of the things that he does have good intentions. So I would get him get somebody in externally mm-hmm. to have a look at what he does. Pick out two or three of the things that he said. So here's what I reckon about Elon Musk. Elon Musk says 150 things and like three of them are actually good ideas or work or are good for the planet, right? Yeah. And because three of them are such good ideas, everybody else then listens to all the other ideas he has as if they are those three ideas. Because like most people don't have three good ideas in their life. But the problem is that we have to sift through so much shit to get to those good ideas. So I think what we need is Elon Musk to have an external assessor of the quality of his ideas. So he goes into a room and then he's like, here are my ideas for the day. Here are my six things that I'm going to say. One of them might be absolute genius that will revolutionize the world. Five of them are probably complete nonsense that will screw a bunch of people over. You choose. I have no idea which one is which. Like, I'm just going to say them all. I mean, it's kind of like me doing my trial shows for stand-up. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a bunch of things I'm going to say, and based on how much you guys laugh at them, they're the bits that will stay in the show. I don't think that Elon had – Elon needs an editor. That's all I'm saying. He needs a middleman. Or a writer's room. He's saying what he needs is a writer's room. He mm. needs a bunch of guys sitting around and girls sitting around a room with like a whiteboard, and they're like, okay. So, all right, let's just scratch out calling a, a diver a pedophile. That's probably not going to get us much traction. But you're onto something here. Right. Like- so this is the thing. He comes in and he's like, you know, we're going to live on Mars. 
I want to have electric cars for everybody for the environment. Uh, and people in Thailand are pedophiles. Most of them, <laughs> but particularly heroes rescuing people, are pedophiles. And you're like, okay, cool. There's your three two ideas out of, for the two day. Out of three, now let's bounce them around the room and see which one, which one feels sticky. Well, I actually uh, know someone who uh, uh, is uh, quite close with Elon Musk, uh, um, has spent quite a bit of time with mm-hmm. Elon, and they were saying- I, 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 suspect, I suspect I know the person you're talking about. Oh, really? <laughs> this person was saying that like Elon often like um, when he's having friends over a party or whatever, like they will have to scramble to get the phone out of his hand because he's like, I want to send this text out. Do you think this is a good idea? A good idea? And everyone's like- no, Elon, that's a bad idea, and, and you're very famous and well known. Don't do that; it might come back to bite you. But he's got this kind of, compo- like, in the same way, like a teenager might want to flame someone online. Like Elon Musk, mm-hmm. an extremely powerful businessman and, and, and philanthropist, is like, I think I'm going to flame someone on Twitter. You know what we've got to do? Well, for the sake of humanity, we've got to cut off Elon Musk's hands. Because, like, the thing is, his hands aren't what you know has made him the person that he is, the ideas person that he is. It's all in his brain. So mm-hmm. the hands are what are betraying him because yeah. his brain's like, I should send this out on Twitter. If he didn't have any hands, he wouldn't <laughs> be able to send that out on Twitter, right? So, okay, oh, we've also got to cut out his tongue so right. he can't do voice memos. So yeah. we've got to cut off his hands and cut out his tongue and then just keep him in a room with his ideas that he can now only Mate. communicate to a certain amount of people because he doesn't have hands or a tongue. Too much <laughs> excess baggage out to the world. That's very inefficient. We just need the brain. Can we just get Elon Musk's brain and stick that in a jar somewhere? So we just keep the brain pumping no. out those big ideas, but we don't need the hands or the tongue or really the rest of the body at all. Just get the brain in a jar. Well, you know what we're going to do? We've got to put Elon Musk's brain in one of those monkeys that survived his... <laughs> There was a couple who snuck in. (laughs) So what we should do is get Elon. Oh no, because then we're going to have a super smart but very erratic, yeah, like monkey in charge. Yeah, we're going to have like Caesar, that monkey from Planet of the Apes. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, wouldn't it be great if that's the backstory? There's your gritty reboot. Caesar the movie. It's the backstory of Caesar, and it turns out that Caesar became Caesar because. The, the smartest person in the world was doing like, I mean, that kind of is the backstory. I was going to say, I think apes. they made that so film 10 not- years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's not much, it's kind of like a, a it's a requel, right? Yeah. But this well, time it's limited set series. in modern day times and it's Elon Musk. Yeah. We'll do it. We'll do it for next Netflix. It's a limited series. I mean, I wonder if there is something to that idea of like these monkeys that Elon's got and this obsession with going to Mars. Like, if we if we go back to sort of sending, you know, because we don't know what Mars is going to be like for humans, so we go back to sending like animals and no space. goods. We, we do send- know. You're, you're wrong. We <laughs> absolutely know what Mars is going to be like for human beings. Completely unlivable and an absolute pipe dream. And we actually have a planet that already works that is a Goldilocks ah. planet in the middle of an infinite universe. And we don't need to go to some dead planet to see if we can live there instead. Boring. <laughs> I want to see Mars. And I want to send a monkey up there first so we know what it feels like under our feet. We put the monkey on the ground. We get the monkey to scoop up some soil yeah. and bring it back to us. But in the trip back, it passes through some cosmic kind of field and it gets super intelligent and it comes back to SpaceX. But now Elon is no longer the smartest person at SpaceX. This monkey, because it passed through this cosmic field, it irradiated its brain and made it a super smart monkey. It comes down and it does a boardroom challenge on SpaceX. It ousts Elon Musk from his own company. And now the monkey's running SpaceX. Monkey's being interviewed by Joe Rogan. (laughs) Smoking weed. (laughs) <laughs> but it'd be amazing. And then the monkey, and then the monkey's like, you know what? Look, I'm telling you, I've been there. I am the one person on this planet qualified to say we don't go to Mars. I went there. It sucked. Sure, my brain got irradiated on the way back, and now I'm super intelligent. But that just gives me greater reason to say we should be putting all our efforts into making this planet habitable. All of a sudden, Tesla yeah, but cars then everybody free. be like. We've got, everyone would be like, nah, we've got to kill the super smart monkey and we've got to get up there and go through that same thing and make oh. ourselves super smart, right? Yeah. How That's quick what Elon would that Musk monkey would do. He'd get, on get assassinated? Yeah. <laughs> that monkey would be dead in seconds <laughs> if it came back and said that. I mean, Elon Musk already has a record of killing a bunch of monkeys. We know that he doesn't mind having monkey blood on his hands. So he's <laughs> going to try to assassinate the monkey immediately. Well, that monkey, so the monkey's come back and he said, all right, look, here's what I found out. Like 
that Mars is, it's an absolute pipe dream. You know, I did all the readings up there. You know, there's no way we can terraform it. There's no way we can get enough oxygen. Gravity is too big. My balls were hanging real low. <laughs> As we know, that is one of the most terrifying things about a planet with gravity stronger than Earth's. Your balls get really heavy. No one wants that. And ladies, you don't want your boobs getting heavy either. Well, but your balls in particular, like on a red hot planet already, the, the yeah. idea that your testicles could just be bobbing around like like some like a tea bag about to go into some hot tea. No, thank you. <laughs> no way. I don't want it touching that red hot sand. Apparently Mars isn't actually red though like it's just it's kind of fairly i think that's a lot of the attraction of people wanting to go to mars it's like ooh, it's like red sand but mm. it's kind of just like muted dirt colors it just appears red from where we are yeah well our we appear blue mostly like from yeah. space right because like the majority of you know uh, like earth is still water is the oceans and turns out the majority of the northern rivers where we live is also <laughs> water and oceans these days so it's a real experience. How has it been uh, coming back to the Northern Rivers? Were you shocked, man? Like I, I did a week of shows in Adelaide, you know, after it flooded, you know, because I could not get back. Uh, the airports were closed and all the highways mm. were closed. And so there was no reason for me to actually come back. Uh, my house was completely cut off. In fact, one of the roads, like there is only one way to get out of my house now that one of the ways has been cleared and they think it's going to take a year to clear the other road because of all the damage. So Whoa. it basically just means that, you know, we only had two ways to access the outside world and now we have one and it's a pretty tenuous one. The only reason we can actually get out the other way is because some locals rebuilt a bridge. You know, the council came along and said, you can't do this. And the locals went, yeah, but you're not going to be here to see if we do it. So instead, just for a day, went down there like a bunch of blokes who knew what they were doing, of course, you know, went down there with like and just rebuilt this bridge themselves so so essentially i am to get anywhere charlie i'm driving over a artisanal bridge a farm to table bridge a homemade <laughs> bridge that was made by the community with a bucket of donations and some people bringing beers and food along to make sure that the people were okay have you ever felt more useless like i was saying to jim i was um doing some drop-offs yesterday and i was seeing all these people like pitching in and you know helping out and repairing and i'm like None of my skills are useful in this scenario. Like all I can do, I can look, I can lug things as discussed, you know, I can, I can carry things from one spot to another, which I guess is kind of useful, but it doesn't set me apart. It's not like I haven't seen any call outs on social media for, can we have someone who can carry stuff from this spot to the other? <laughs> like that's kind of a given that everyone will be able to do that. Yeah. So, I mean, firstly, I, I did a week of shows in Adelaide and still made it here before most of the army and the prime minister. <laughs> so that's a bit of an indication of how much of a priority it was for the rest of the fucking country. Like um, it was incredible actually being in Adelaide to see the lack of coverage mm. of what was happening on the Northern rivers, because this is a natural disaster, a climate emergency disaster on the same scale as the bushfires. Now those mm. bushfires that captured the world, of course, pre COVID, you know, when those sort of things were, I guess, more shocking still, but um, yeah, those bushfires captured the absolute world. Whereas these floods, which will end up destroying probably more homes than the bushfires did. More people will be homeless as a result of it. And it looks like by the end of it, there'll probably be more deaths out of the... But even that idea of how many deaths is acceptable has been so reframed by COVID mm. that the idea of like, you know, 30 people died in a bushfire or whatever. We, like as a country, we used to come to a full stop and go, this is unacceptable. We've got to do yeah. something about this. We've got to help all these people. Whereas... COVID has reset our acceptance for daily deaths, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's how you know it's a bad tragedy is when midnight oil reformed to play a benefit. You're like, okay, that's we're on, we're on midnight, oil, midnight oil level of a disaster here. Yeah, the only oil that isn't responsible for the climate emergency <laughs> we find ourselves in, midnight oil. I um, uh, You may find where, when you're walking around the Northern Rivers in the next few months, you might see a few more Tofop t-shirts, not because uh, uh, people are, are rushing to the Redbubble page to support our show and James Fosdyke, but when it came to donating a lot of stuff, I had a surplus of Tofop t-shirts and I was kind of conflicted about handing them out, not because I didn't want to help, but I'm like, are people going to want to wear this <laughs> even in the state of a natural disaster? <laughs> Is someone going to get their care package and be like, what the hell is this? What is this? Like, it's a two skeletons having a cuddle. I don't want to wear this. Uh, I, I won't have all of the details of this joke 
right, but I think it's worth mentioning regardless. I think it might have been Rich Hall and he might have been talking about the people of Adelaide and the way the people in Adelaide dressed. But forgive me if I'm remembering that wrong and it was somebody else, but he described it as flood wear. And he said, everyone here dresses as if it was the only clothes they had on in the middle of a flood. And that is what they are wearing. And I think people walking around in toe-fop t-shirts who have never listened to the podcast (laughs) before, and to be honest, will refuse to in the future because it will remind them of a really terrible time of walking around advertising our show in flood wear. Toe-fop merchandise. It's floodware. Well, it's actually funny. I, I did a, a drop off in Broadwater yesterday. Uh, they were calling out for donations. So I went and got some stuff. And um, the girl who is running the relief center, Ria, is a TOEFOP listener and not just a TOEFOP listener, but has flown out to LA to see an LA Podfest. It was so weird because I was just carrying some stuff up and she was like, Charlie. And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, oh, you don't know me, but I, I listen to TOEFOP. And I'm like, oh, okay, uh, <laughs> cool. This is a, a weird spot to kind of be. To be recognised, but uh, I, I, I uh, did you say this situation is dire, Ria? Just to break the tension. <laughs> yeah, she loved it. She laughed and she laughed. We all had a great <laughs> laugh. <laughs> and she said, ironically, a lot of people have diarrhea because one of the things that comes with floods is gastro because there are so the many germs all over the place and people aren't eating. And like everybody's fridges, man. Like mm. so, I flew from Adelaide back here and. By that stage, you know, the army, at least kind of the defence force and stuff had arrived. And in places like Mullumbimby, the water had gone down. But to drive through that town, the first thing that I saw when I came back was like to drive through Mullumbimby and to see, I don't think people realise what it's like when it's like the contents of everybody's homes are just sitting on the lawn in front of their homes or on the nature strip in front of their homes because Mm -hmm. everything that they had inside their homes has been destroyed and it now is just landfill. Like there's a year's worth of landfill, I think, just in that town, right? Like, you know, because, you know, fridges and like, you know, um, mattresses and just like all of these big items are just completely fucked. Nothing you can do about it. They just have to be thrown out. And like so many of those homes and buildings and, you know, the Albeck Clinic is condemned, you know, like, you know, there was enough mm. water that went through all those sort of things that, you know, these businesses and people are just going to have to be rebuilding for fucking years. And that's the first thing you see. That's not even the worst place where the floods have been in the area. But, I mean, they had it pretty bad in Mullum. But to mm. drive through that town and that to be the first thing you saw was just like everyone in town had put everything that was inside their houses, outside their houses. It's like... That that's not where that stuff's meant to be. No. It feels really weird. You're like maybe on a hard rubbish night, you're meant to see a few things on the nature strip, but it was just a real immediate, like it was going through a procession of people's misery and lives lost, and oh, mm. it's just like immediately you just took a deep breath and knew that it was going to be hard work. Yeah, and you also take a deep breath because the combination of like sewage fuel rotting furniture oh. like i was in lismore again on friday oh by the way i went past the picture framers yeah no you're definitely not getting that that artwork back anytime soon unless it floats down the road to my house i think is the only way we're <laughs> gonna get that artwork back. yeah well look hopefully i mean maybe they got out in time but that entire story is, is empty condemned as well like it there's, there's nothing there's nothing left um but yeah they uh, the street that i was helping the main street i was helping out on when i went back this time um I don't know who, what, it seemed like there were the multiple council trucks were there. There were bulldozers, bobcats, multiple volunteers just like shifting that, all that um, debris that you see stacked out outside of people's homes into these like fleet of garbage trucks. But even cleared away, all it does is just expose how bad the damage is. Like you've still got homes that are absolutely fucked. Like that's the thing that I wonder about is, um, like what the, what's the housing situation and, and what's the long-term solution to this? I mean, I know all around um, people are, are letting families come stay and, you know, you go online, there's lots of people offering up their homes around here, which is great. Um, but that's not a long-term solution. And, and, and just the idea of, like, you look, you see high schools and hospitals in this town that are all um, uh, deserted. And it's like, how do you, you can't just migrate that instantly. That's a huge process. And that's also people's lives. You know, you sort of see these, I saw these kids walking around like teenagers 
walking around the streets just looking at the obviously the the town that they grew up in it's like that's going to be incredibly scarring for a lot of kids is to sort of lose that lose that base you know i remember being a teenager when i lost my dad or you know coming into my teens and it's such a destabilizing experience because that's when you're sort of just sticking your head out into the world as an adult and the, if your first experience of being an adult is the world's a terrifying fucking place where everything can be turned upside down in an instant, that has long-term effects, you know, <laughs> like that stuff that I'm still sort of dealing with now. And just to think like that's happened en masse, it's, it just boggles my mind what what is going to happen in the future. And, and it can't all just be telethons and GoFundMes and stuff. Like we, there needs to be like, and I, I say this knowing that there isn't, <laughs> but there needs to be like a really fucking well-researched plan of how we're going to get forward and how we're going to get out of this and not just about winning votes and getting a government in, like even if it's a reactionary vote against the Liberal Party to get Labor in. Well, we need to see Labor's plan as well. You know, this is not just about punishing one side of politics. It's about pressuring all of them to actually do something. Yeah, because you say that there is no plan. There are heaps of plans. Like scientists have been coming up with plans for a very long time now. You know, there is all these ways that we can immediately accelerate away from fossil fuels into renewables and to different energy sources and to like, because we, we talk about this idea of it being this thing that we're dealing with in the future. I think the thing that is yeah. incredibly apparent to us all now is that climate change is here. Yeah. This is not a theoretical argument about what the effects of it, like this, even the idea that our government has this, you know, fund that is saving for a rainy day, <laughs> and ironic, a, a rainy day. Apparently, this day is not rainy enough. <laughs> this is what the government is saying. Yeah. They believe there's a rainier day coming along. We shouldn't be stopping the boats. We should be building arcs. Yeah. This is basically the stage we're at. If if this is not the if a once in a hundred or a thousand or three and a half thousand year storm isn't enough to go. This is the rainy day. The rainy day is here. That means that they know as a government that there are going to be rainier days soon mm. where we need that money. So let that terrify the fuck out of you for a second. Like the idea that they think this is not enough. This is not the real emergency. We're going to need this money for later. Well, let's spend that money now on mitigating rather than having to fucking repair it and deal with it later. There are things we can do to prevent these things from happening. And every dollar spent preventing these things from happening, you actually repay tenfold rather than having to do the cleanup and rebuild people's lives later. Like it's mm. the magnitude of the ramifications it will have for people who live in this area. But yeah. it's only this area this time. Two years ago, it was Malakuta in Victoria going through the same thing with fires. And people in Malakuta hadn't recovered from the fires when fucking COVID hit. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's, and mm. now they're seeing, and now there's less and less interest. Like mm. the telethon didn't raise as much money. No one's like as excited about like trying to get behind this. Like it's fucking terrifying, Charlie. It's like people have lost everything up here. And, you know, it's to see that in the community, like you said, to, to smell the smell of death like the stench of mold and death. Like a lot of these buildings are condemned because of the mold, you know, the water gets in and, or there's, there's asbestos in the walls or whatever. So once you're flooded, you just got to fucking demolish the whole place. And how are they going to rebuild anything? Because where are they going to get the building supplies? When are they going to get the tradies to do it all? Like you can't just, it's not a part of the world where you have even the capacity to do that. So even if you ended up getting the money to do it at some stage, it's going to be years before you can actually get someone to, help you rebuild your house if that's what you're going to do. So, and this is just going to be a story played out all over the fucking world, but particularly in Australia. We've known for, since John Howard was prime minister, I would say before that, but at least like on the record certified since John Howard was prime minister, we've known in this country that Australia would be amongst like the first world countries that was most affected by climate change. I remember talking to Dave Anthony when, when you know, Trump happened and he was thinking about leaving America. And I was like, well, why don't you come and live in Australia? Like you got a good following here. Like it's mm. a good way of life. You get to do heaps of, you know, fun things here. Come and live in Australia. And he was just like, I never would because of climate change. Yeah. You guys are just going to be the first fuck by climate change. And it pains me to say this, Charlie, but <laughs> Dave really does get some really horrible things right. Yeah. I wish he didn't. 
Like, I, I wish the things that he was – I don't think he's right about them rigging the NBA. I still I cannot be convinced about that, but fucking hell. Well, ABC yes. – um, you know Matt Bevan, the ABC journalist. Mm. He has um, a great series of podcasts. Uh, he did Russia if you're listening, and, and now he's doing Australia if you're listening, which is all about climate change. And the actual first recorded instance where someone speculated that the country we lived in is more susceptible to changing like climates was 1911. Like he found a news article where, where a scientist is like, "Hey guys, we've been running the numbers, and you know if we keep putting this much, the industrial revolution has been fantastic, but if we keep putting this much carbon into the atmosphere, we're going to be fucked." And it's like, I imagine the Andrew Bolt of 1911 would have been, oh, look at this climate alarmist. la di da da the barbarians mm. at the gate trying to take away your way of life. It's like, holy fuck. Yeah. Next he'll be telling to... you you can't burn tires in your backyard. <laughs> An Australian <laughs> right. Well, it was interesting. I, I sort of went on to, um, I wanted to see like how far this had reached and, and what the kind of supporters of, you know, the right-wing commentators were saying. And, mm. Even on the Facebook page for news.com, like there's very little support for, uh, you know, the Liberal government on this and there's very little support of people who are trying to deny this because like you say, it's affecting, if it doesn't affect you directly, you at least know someone who's been affected by it. I mean, my sister works at the Department of Conservation in WA at the moment. So she and I have been messaging. She's on fire. I'm underwater. <laughs> like it's fucking, it's insane what's going on right now. And I think you just can't, that, kind of smoke and mirrors game is not really working anymore. I should say smoke and water game is not really working anymore. Everyone's sort of seeing through it. Well, what I just like, cause I do think that those extreme climate deniers have been exposed. I think that we've got to a point, even like, you know, even News Corp have kind of got to the point where the majority of their commentary, they were climate deniers for so long and they've made a public stance to say that they're, you know, now, climate deliers basically you know yeah. they're, not, they're not deniers <laughs> anymore they're deliers and that is that is what they're doing now right like yeah. it used to be we're climate deniers it's not happening now they're at the stage of it's happening but you know there's not that much we can do about it or we've got to do it slowly or china you know, and india if they things, don't right? change their, their if they don't change their emissions and what's yeah. the point of us doing it well we can stop selling to them that's the point <laughs> also remember when they were wrong about the last bit that they've yeah. now accepted that they were wrong about Let's, let's, you know what? Strike one and let's assume they're also fucking wrong about what they're telling us now. Why would we trust the people? This is the, like, my main problem with net, yeah, net zero by 2050 is that it's, it gives people the impression that we're doing enough, which we're absolutely not doing enough. And the main reason you can know that net zero by 2050 is an absolute fucking con so that the robber barons can. St- the you way that everything. the analogy that I would use, right, is that I remember when Limo and I were doing Triple M Drive, right, and they they sacked us, but they left us on air for six weeks. Well, guess what we did in those six weeks? Whatever the fuck we wanted and stole everything. <laughs> that is what the fossil fuel companies are doing by us delaying, you know, the, the, the shutdown of it. They're just going, well, we'll delay it as far as we can and then we can just come in and we can – steal as much stationery in the meantime as we possibly can. And you know that that's happening because News Corp think that net zero by 2050 is a good idea. The same people who brought us for the last 30 years, climate change isn't real and isn't happening and got us into the place we are, are now saying this is a great plan. And people go, okay, well, I guess that's a good plan. No, that's not a good fucking plan. Yeah. It's funny too, isn't it? Like that there is this kind of, uh, uh, there is this, this idea that look we're, we're we're delivering above and beyond, and it's like yeah, but that's not good enough. It's not. It's you. You can say yeah, we're doing enough, but we're not. Obviously, <laughs> look what's happening. Yeah, you say hey, not. mate, I'm 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 giving you one hundred percent. Well, you have to give one hundred and fifty percent. I know that is statistically impossible, but like it's not working right now. And all this kind of, I mean, I, I don't really know because there's so much misinformation out there. Someone should do a show about it, Will. Uh, it would be really interesting. I'd watch it. Um, but there's so much misinformation out there. When you sort of try and um, go on, when you go online and you and you read the commentary on Twitter or whatever, to know like what is actually how people feel. And then there's the polling of it where because people seem to be largely in favour of all these kind of like um, more environmentally friendly policies. But does anything get done or is this, I, I sometimes wonder, is it just all theatre? Like it's just, 
you know, we get upset and then you, you'll read an article about, you know, from the, whatever side of politics you're into and that kind of assuages whatever you're feeling at the moment and you forget about it until the next kind of disaster. Do you know what I mean? Well, it became the fact that it became political is that's dumb to me, right? Yeah. The idea that the survival of the planet is a political issue is dumb. And the minute that we in, allowed it to become a political issue, we fucked up everything. There should be some things as human beings, regardless of the political differences we have, the idea that people have cultural and political differences and they go to war against each other and all these things that happen as human beings. I would have thought that our overall thing has to be the survival of the human race. Nah, right? nah it's fine. Like, that's the planet, fine, the, the livability of the planet, the perfect planet that we live on that is so unique in the universe, like might be the only one in the universe, at least in the time frame that we live in that can support the sort of life that we are, isn't our major responsibility as human beings to protect, you know, the survival of humankind and also the survival of the planet that gives us life and gives, I mean, we've been so ruthlessly just eliminating other species from this world. Like the idea that species are species, many of which have been here for thousands of tens of thousands or even longer years than we've been on this fucking planet. And we just rolled into town and fucking just like, you're dead, you're dead, never come <laughs> back, bye, don't need you, cut you down, fuck you yeah. up. And then the fact that we might, that might lead to the actual, nah, that, so that, it shouldn't be a political issue. But the reason it's a political issue is fucking simple. It's like money in, it's money in politics, right? Yeah. And it's also it's like the, Margaret Thatcher was on the record. Like Margaret Thatcher, a conservative leader, she was one of the original people like who made you know really big headway on the idea that climate change was a real thing and it shouldn't be a party political issue. And then the oil companies came in and they made it, you know, the fossil fuel companies came in and made it a political issue. They backed, they knew earlier than everybody else that the climate was changing because they had the money to and the incentive to do some research on it and they discovered it was them who was, mostly responsible for it. And then they spent millions of dollars putting out disinformation and misinformation over decades so that they could keep doing it. It's it also feels like, uh, you know, when they trot out like your Pauline Hanson or whatever to do, or your Malcolm Roberts to be like, oh, you know, the climate's always changing. It's like, oh, fuck. Like, at least come up with a better new argument. Like just, you conspiracy theorists, right? You guys are batshit insane. Just come up with something better. Like, it's so lazy that you're still going to trot out that same old trope, which we, we if, at least if you're going to bullshit me, put some effort into it. I just want to hear, I want to hear a new theory, space laser theory, whatever the fuck it is, why this is normal. Well, it's absolutely not normal. Like what people sometimes argue is the idea that like we've been a country that's always had extreme weather, right? Which is yeah. true. But, that, but the problem with this is that, Climate change, like global warming, climate change, climate emergency, it's all going to essentially whatever your worst character traits were before. It's like getting superpowers and the superpower like accentuates whatever you were originally, but that becomes like, you know, it's yeah. just so Australia was already a place of dramatic weather conditions. Of course, when things get even more dramatic, we're just going to find that we still have floods, we still have fires, but the fires are bigger than they ever were. The floods were bigger than they ever were. And it gets closer and closer together. I mean, that's the thing yeah. that I think some people don't understand is they're like, you know, floods happen, fires happen. It's like, yeah, but what you're going to find is that shit's happening all the time now. Like, you know, even um, anecdotally, you sort of speak to people in this area and they'll talk about, yeah, it was always like a wet February up here. And it's like, yeah, but now it's mm. wetter for longer and it's more, and it, when it rains, it re it's flash flooding. Like you and I were both just in town today and it only rained for about 20 minutes but in that 20 minutes like all the gutters filled up the roads were covered in water like everything got absolutely hammered and that was in like a short space of time and you know you just see gutters on you know reasonably new buildings just like overflowing because obviously it's been raining for three months and there's only so much in a safety sense you know, that you can get on your roof to clean your gutters even in times when you need to do things like that right like yeah. this is it every single little thing becomes like it takes us an hour longer to get to town than it ordinarily would now that's fine and reasonable and we can deal with that sort of thing but if you're somebody who has to go that road every day for your job or you work or to visit a relative in hospital or to take your kids to school or i mean where i live the school bus now can't come through 
anymore, yeah. right? Like the school bus just can't come through anymore. So there are parents at the moment hiking their kids through like a road that has like is basically has, you know, signs on it that says don't go down this road. But the parents yeah. are hiking their kids through these like fallen trees and stuff to be able to get them to a bus stop so they can go to school. I love um, uh, to see Peter Dutton. Uh, Peter Dutton getting grilled by Koshy was not something I thought I'd ever see. But there's this tactic that they're using at the moment, this, um, you know, human shield thing where it's mm. like, why weren't uh, the army sentenced sooner? I won't he, I won't let you criticise the brave members of the ADF. No, no, we're not criticising no. them. We're criticising the people who get them in sooner. Now, why, why has there been such a debacle at the nursing homes? Oh, you can't criticise healthcare. We're not criticising healthcare no. workers. Again. <laughs> we're asking why decisions at the top have been so bad or so slow to be, be put into action. But it's this really, I mean, I think once you sort of I mean, it's a deliberate, right? but it's a deliberate technique. Oh, of right? course. Obviously. You know, and it's a cost if you don't, If you don't support the war, you hate the troops, right? Yeah. It's been something that's been around for a long time. No, I think in a general sense, you know, the defence force are at their most useful defending Australia. The biggest threat that this country should have in a defence sense, like we should defend the country from being invaded by diplomacy. That's how we should defend Australia. We should defend the country against the weather by having this like armed forces and these people who are trained in these situations You're on right. hand to be able to deal with these. We should be shooting guns up at the sky. That's how that's we what stop I'm this. saying. Yeah. I'm shooting saying missiles at the cloud. Shooting tanks at a cloud occasionally is a warning. Yeah, and that's maybe right. it wouldn't fucking rain around. Kill here. one cloud, educate a thousand. That's what I'm saying. Right. <laughs> that's what we do. We're going to send a tank into space. This is our idea. <laughs> we're going to send it, well, not to space, but just up higher. The now. lower atmosphere, the stratosphere. We'll send a, <laughs> we a tank. Need- we need a flying tank. This is like an Armageddon sequel. So we need to send some people who can shoot. Oh, yeah. Great. Fast and the Furious 11. Vin Diesel yeah. drives a car into space to shoot a cloud as a warning against climate change. Or how about we take a cloud hostage? That, yeah. that, that'll that oh, yeah. scare the shit out of them. We yeah. take a cloud hostage. We bring it down here. We tie it up. We get it to hold a, a newspaper and we mm. record a video. Al Qaeda you know what I mean? Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah just say, you fucking keep raining on us, this guy <laughs> is going to get bloody evaporated real quick. <laughs> oh, we're just yeah, standing there with hair dryers. Yeah, no, yes, okay, so we've got a cloud and a hair dryer. <laughs> we're like, we're, mate, we'll fucking do it, man. Fuck off with your floods. You know where you can rain? Fucking ocean, mate. <laughs> Go and rain in the fucking ocean, but otherwise... We fucking put this hair dryer on. <laughs> Go to a desert. Ruin another George Miller movie. For fuck's sake. Leave the Northern Rivers alone. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Not in being, my backyard. <laughs> speaking of being uh, uh, harassed, I was uh, in the midst of all this fucking shit this week. Mm. Um, I almost got scammed by a, uh, a, a phone scam. And it was one of those mm. things where it's been a shit day pissing down with rain, dealing with a kid, all this kind of stuff. And when I arrived home, I was sort of checking my phone as I was carrying shopping and baby upstairs. And I got a text message from my bank saying, um, your net bank's been disabled. And I had been doing some, changing some stuff around in my net bank and, and doing some online stuff, which in a split second when my mind's elsewhere, I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. I probably just need to. So I hit this link and then I, uh, you know, put Iona down and then, it was, uh, it was saying that um, I needed to uh, log in and blah, blah, blah. And I was about to do it. I just was not thinking. And so I started like, and then I <laughs> I looked at the, the URL because when I clicked the link, it took me to a Safari page on my phone. <laughs> and it was, com, it was ComBank, but bank was spelled B-A-N-double-K. <laughs> so I was like, shit, I hit the link, I hit the link. And um, so I... I uh, uh, I call the bank, you know, they call their fraud department or whatever it is. And uh, firstly, there must be a lot of frauds going on right now because when you go on NetBank and you check up fraud, they give you a list of the latest frauds and it's so long. Like there's literally 40, you know, frauds currently active that you should look out for, like specific messages and emails and text messages and all this kind of stuff. So anyway, while I'm on hold, uh, I keep getting... And the other thing too is the text came from the Commonwealth Bank. Like that's why I thought it must be real because the previous messages in that thread were all legit ones from the Commonwealth Bank. So it was really well Hmm. disguised. 
But then I start getting sent um, these prompts on my phone, text messages. You know how you get sent a net code? So it's like, log in with this net code. And I'm like, fuck. And it kept like, and I was getting freaked out because it was like every five minutes, it would send me another prompt. Hey, dude, just log in. Just log in. Come on, so I'm sweating going, is this Why like Why are you a- logging in? Just fucking <laughs> log in, man. <laughs> yeah, that was really, but it was like, is this, is, is this like a bot or is this someone actually kind of, you know, in Russia or somewhere just, well, maybe not Russia, but you know, somewhere like some hacker trying to get my bank details. So the guy came on and I, and the thing was, cause it, my, my brain had been so occupied with other things. I couldn't entirely remember how far through the scam I had gotten. I knew I'd clicked the link, but had I put in my client number, you know, um, had I, cause I, I also remember I, I, I was like, that's weird that it hasn't taken my app and I opened my app. And then I was like, I got confused between was I using the app or was I using this dummy website that the scammers had set up? So he was running the guy. And then I started getting real paranoid and was like, am I actually talking to a guy from the Commonwealth Bank or have they like hooked up my phone to some kind of, cause they got my phone now. They're obviously not my number. Am I talking to some Fuck like. man, reality is a simulation. Simulation. Yeah. And so, um, he was looking through my, he's looking through all the bank accounts. He's like, mm. look, there hasn't been any suspicious activity. Um, so th- th- I think it's all okay. He's gone, but it's weird that they have your number and they keep sending you text messages. So I'm going to refer you to like another fraud department. Mm. So I got referred to another fraud department and I kept getting passed up and up the chain and I was sweating because I'm like, fuck, like have I, re- why are they sending me to such senior dudes? I've really fucked this. And so they were baffled. They, they, they hadn't seen this was a new scam apparently wasn't mm. on their their list and um one that kind of freaked them out a bit because they said well obviously they're aping our phone number like that's some kind of like uh, what do you call it like cloaking device or something mm. that makes it look like a commonwealth number and the fact that they could then hold on to my number and then reuse it uh so they said look we've shut everything down um we're just going to we've shut everything down you need to go on now um and just redo all your passwords for everything for your net bank for your phone password all this kind of stuff and then they had to ask me my security questions now i'm not sure if you remember this story in one of the very early episodes of tofop i told about i spoke about having to do like a security question clearance and it was um back in the days where you'd pick your own questions and when i used to play junior footy after a win, we had this like call and response thing, which was like the coach would go, did you win? And then we'd say, we shitted it in. How did you do it? Easy. And so that was my security question like 20 years ago. And I, I told the story about how embarrassing it was. The lady was like, okay, the first question is, did we win? And I had to say, uh, yes, we shitted it in. <laughs> how do you spell shitted it? <laughs> how we do it? Easy. So, you know, all well and good. And I thought that that was the last of my ridiculous uh, question and answer, security question and answers. But um, this guy's gone, okay, uh, Mr. Clausen, we just have to ask you some security questions. And I can tell you these now because I've changed all, changed it. But uh, see if you can answer these two security questions well. Both are based on popular 80s films. Mm-hmm. So the first security question is, who's the moosiest moose we know? Who's the moosiest moose we know? <laughs> Um, uh, Bullwinkle? No. Oh, great. Well, look, I would hope that you were the hacker trying to get my details because that is a line from Vacation where uh, Chevy Chase and the family are singing, who's the moosiest moose we know? Marty Moose. Who is the moose? <laughs> so the answer was Marty Moose. And then the second question, it's um, I'll give you a hint. So this uh-huh. is a sequel to an incredibly popular 80s film. Mm-hmm. Um, the question, uh, 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 an incredibly popular eighties film that has since been rebooted as a TV series. But the, uh, the question is live or die, man. Lethal weapon. No. <laughs> Damn it. Karate kid two in which, uh, Mr. Miyagi says, oh no, uh, Ralph Macchio says live or die. And when the guy says die, he honks his nose. He goes honk. <laughs> so that was my answer to my security question was honk. So Gemma was listening in the other room. So I got off the phone with this guy and she's like, when you just, when you just, wasn't you worried about a scam? She's gone, why were you saying honk to the guy on the, on the <laughs> telephone? I'm like, because I'm a fucking idiot. And so now, like, I think maybe I'm not the only one. Here's what I would say though, is this is one of those times where they're glad that they record these calls for quality assessment because <laughs> yeah. you definitely are making some sort of mixtape at the Commonwealth Bank for the end yeah, of the year. Christmas party. They- 
for training. They're like, you know, when they're training, like people had to deal with like the weird requests that you're going to get or the weird things you're going to have to deal with. They're going to play that. They're going to be like, it's actually the guy from home and away. You're going to love this guy. (laughs) So now, because when you go on, they actually give you preset questions. There's like 30 Mm. questions you can choose from. Like, you know, what what was your primary school or where's your favorite holiday destination or whatever. But with those questions, are you... Like when you pick your answers to those, are you picking one that's just going to be easiest for you to remember or are you picking ones that are going to be hardest to guess for like a, a hacker? Like how, what's your rationale with your security questions and answers? Uh, e- easiest for me to remember, but yeah. not things that people would know about me from. So I have, I think, a smaller list and right. probably you as well from doing this podcast, but me from you know, obviously, you know, having written bloody columns and like been on the radio. There's a lot of info like, about you out there. So much information about me. Like, yeah, you know, where I grew up, what, yeah, it'd be so easy to find out, like, you know, the road that I grew up on from a series of jokes that I did about <laughs> the name of the road that I grew up on, you know, like wh- where I was born, like what my mother's maiden name was, any of those sort of things, names of your first pets, all those sort of things have been stuff that I have talked about. So I normally have to go a bit deep on there. I'm like uh, I'm like the pitcher and the catcher keeps like, you know, going, send this pitch down. You know, I want to see the curveball and I'm just yeah, yeah. shaking it off. Can't answer <laughs> that one either, mate. You're going to yeah. have to go lower on your list. What else you got? Well, then there's also the question of like how you actually – I, you know, because you've got to be like, you know, uh, you've got to, are you uppercase, lowercase, are you using punctuation, like all that kind of stuff. And then I'm like, ah, oh, some of these answers are a bit complex. And so I'm sort of treading the line between, well, this is kind of not easy to guess, but I don't think, I still, as ridiculous as it is, did we win? We shitted it in. Like the only person, the only hacker who was going to guess that was someone who played under 11s football with me at the East Brighton Vampires, I reckon. And even then. I doubt their recall would be that good. Also, obscure trivia from, like, I mean, you went Karate Kid 2 and, you know, Vacation. It wasn't like you went the two biggest movies on the planet where whatever yeah. the, you know, like, what is life like in Forrest yeah. Gump? And then yeah, someone yeah. could just go, oh, yeah, a box of chocolates, right? Okay, I'm in, right? Go like, ahead, you're... make my blank. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that was bed? the point. I went is it bed? Oh, I didn't get in. I thought it was bed. <laughs> Although we do live in an era of like fan service and the 80s is back in nostalgia, maybe it was the right time to erase those 80s references from my online banking because everyone, like, you know, there's a fucking Cobra Kai, Cobra Kai TV series. I'm sure Vacation will be getting a reboot soon. And mm. all those films, they all, all those TV shows, they're so, they just love a fucking reference to every scene and every bit of art direction, every bit of costume that was meaningless or had a minor bit of meaning in the original is now like, oh, this is how so-and-so got his hat. This isn't why so-and-so drives this car. It's like, yeah, so Marty Moose would be, Marty Moose would be getting his own series. So, No, you're right about that. Like the references become more common. Also, you know, the 80s were a long time ago. You don't know how politically correct your answers are. You know, it might be, who are your three favorite heroes? And you're like, uh, Mel Gibson, Woody Allen, and Michael Jackson. (laughs) (laughs) Suddenly you red flagged. (laughs) AZO knocking on the door. Um, but also, I, I think that I watched. Have you watched Bel Air? Have you watched any of the no. gritty reboot of the Fresh Prince of Bel Air? Well, it's funny you should say that. Will, why don't we get to our mailbag? Because our okay. very first question uh, is about that very subject. This is from Luke. He says, "I know this is a well-traveled Tofop area, but with the gritty reboot of the Fresh Prince, just wondering what's next. Maybe the Bob Morrison show, where Bob is an airport sniffer dog on the take." Or what would a gritty reboot of the Tatsuloto number reading look like? Missed you guys over the summer break. Have a great year, Luke. Uh, so tell me all about the – look, I must say I was never really – I never really watched the original Fresh Prince, so I, I, I don't have an opinion on this either way. Okay, so I loved the original show. thought it was super funny. Yeah, and Will Smith was like, you know, clearly a star immediately. It has that iconic theme song, you know, that everybody knows. And that is – so I think I've only watched one episode, but so far – I, I really liked it. I think it works. Is it as a gritty? Drug. Not. Yeah. I, I mean, yes. I guess so. Like the premise of the the theme song. You know, the idea that like you know, he's West Philadelphia, West Philadelphia born, and raised, born and raised in yeah. the playground is where I spent all of my days. Uh, so anyway, the whole idea is he gets into like a beef with a drug dealer. You know, that's kind of the premise of the original one is that he gets into some trouble and then you know they're worried about him, so they send him out to. But they play it for comedy. But in this, 
the actual setup of that song, the storyline, the idea that he is this kind of like smart mouse kid living in West Philly, growing up in West Philly, and then like gets into a beef. And it's actually an accidental beef. It was it was something that he didn't do but got blamed for. And like this drug dealer basically wants to kill him and kill him and his friend. And so I guess that is gritty, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, doesn't really lend itself to a live studio audience, does it? I mean, the weird thing is when you, it, because the song was so catchy, you forgot how gritty it was in the first place. <laughs> like these guys are playing it the right way. It yeah. was weird that it was being played for laughs. You're like, there's this, uh, oh my God, it makes me laugh so fucking much. But um, Gary Goldman, do you know who Gary Goldman mm-hmm. is, the comedian? Brilliant comedian. But he does this thing where, like, he does Rodney Dangerfield jokes, but really empathizing with Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> like, you know, so it's <laughs> getting no respect. Yeah, like, and he goes, You should get some respect, you know, like, that's a bad <laughs> thing, man. You know, I saw Rodney, and Rodney said he went to the doctor. And he said, you're, uh, you're fat. And he said, I want a second opinion. He said, you're also ugly. I said, Rodney, that's not acceptable from your medical professional. That's bullying. Like, that is not my like. And I think that's why I'm revising the old Fresh Prince. They were covering a lot of trauma through humor. Like, there's, it's an interesting storyline. So the setup is basically that he's, he's rich uncle. No, no, so... Um, uh, so I reckon it's his mum's sister who is the – she's married into immense wealth in okay. Bel-Air. The dude that she's married to, he is like a, a big fancy uh, – like he's a DA or like a fancy criminal litigator. He's running for office, like, you know, that sort of thing. Respected, filthy rich community. But he's pulled a few strings to make sure that Will didn't get in trouble. So there's going to be that storyline right. that like maybe he's okay. overstepped the line a little bit to – to get Will out there and his political enemies might go after him for that. And then, um, and then, yeah. So like, basically you've got Carlton, who's the sort of snobby older brother, you know, character that you would, you know, kind of remember. And he in this is very much that sort of um, the way that they portray him is he's like very entitled, rich, very Mm. suspicious about like, you know, cool Will coming along. He plays lacrosse. He's got a bunch of frat boy bros who sing the N word and he doesn't like it. Like he's cool with it, if you know what I mean. Like because yeah, they're singing yeah. the song. Like, are they so, white fr- white frat boyfriends? Right. Yeah, well, that's right? interesting. Yeah. And then you've got the sort of older sister who's like much more lovely to Will, but she's an influencer. Like she's like that. She doesn't really have like a job job, but she's like yeah. an influencer and like a social. So it's it kind of works as it's one of those things where you're just like this story works very well in this modern context. Whether they'll be able to sustain it as a drama over. Like oh, so I was going to say, so so it's a drama. So it's yeah. not at all like there's laughs, but it's not like a comedy by any stretch. There's la- There's comic relief. You know who the main comic relief is uh, so far? Who? Well, there, he, uh, Will gets sent a limo or whatever, a car to the airport uh, when he yeah. arrives in LA. But you know the thing is? He doesn't take that car. He takes this fancy old school American muscle car that's driven by this guy called Jeff. And you might find that this Jeff guy might be a little jazzy, if you know what I'm saying. Ah. Might like to DJ this yeah. uh, Jeff character. Jazzy Jeff got to eat. Good on you, yeah. Will. All these years later looking after your mate. He's done an Adam Sandler. Here's a job. There you go. Hey, we've got a message here. Uh, apparently uh, Kyle Sanderlands, according to the, yes. uh, the first and last name of this uh, listener, has written into us, big fan mm. of the show. Um, uh, it says, an NZ Invasion. Hello, Will and Charlie. I have missed listening to your nonsense over the summer. I'm very glad you guys returned to the podcast ways. With all the global issues going on at the moment, it got me wondering when NZ inevitably snaps and tries to invade Australia, which comedian do you think will be best placed to lead the Australian people as prime ministers, Mm. as prime minister, and lead us into battle to fend off those dastardly Kiwis? Uh, I tend to think it'll be Carl Barron or Dave Hughes, (laughs) but I'm not so sure that'd be the best fit in those circumstances. Uh, obviously, reference to um, uh, Vladimir Zelensky. Uh, not Vladimir Zelensky. Uh, what's his first name? Is it Zelensky, oh, right. the, the Ukrainian president. Mm-hmm. Who- I think everybody knows who he is. He's a former comedian, played the leader of the country on a TV show, and then actually yeah. became the leader of the country. But don't you, do you feel a bit uncomfortable with the? I don't know what the word is, but it's it's kind of like the um, the glorification of yep. him as like this kind of heartthrob 
leader, like there's people, you know, there's like these BuzzFeed type articles, which is like 19, 19 photos of Zelensky that'll melt your heart. And it's like, his fucking country's been invaded right now. Like, it just feels so gross that there is this kind of really vapid analysis of him. Oh, God, he's so sexy. What a sexy leader. He, he could be the next James Bond. It's like, what the fuck? Are you guys watching the same news that I'm watching right now? But also, there is this thing about, I guess, power and, like, fame that is very intoxicating to people, which is often people get into it for the wrong reasons because they're like, if I become famous, people will want to fuck me. If I want to, if, if I become powerful, people will want to fuck me. And often you kind of think that's deluded until these people become famous and powerful and then you realize everyone wants to fuck them. And you're like, oh, they were actually right. It really like, is. It, true. Remember during the pandemic, like there was just lists of who the hottest chief Doctors health were. officers yeah. were. <laughs> you're like, everything becomes a fucking BuzzFeed like, list or article. It's right. crazy. Yeah, rate them uh, in order of how you want to fuck them. That's what we're going to do with climate scientists. We're going to get climate yes. scientists out there enough that, like, BuzzFeed does a list of who the most fuckable climate scientists are. Uh, this is from Snurt Underpants. Uh, Hi, chaps. I've only recently discovered your brilliant podcast, and I'm delighted to finally find one that addresses the mindless minutiae that resides in most male brains in such detail. However... I often listen to you in bed late at night and herein lies my problem. I sometimes find myself dreaming that I am in the same room as you guys and I can still hear your voices after I nod off. But when I interact with you, I'm completely ignored. It's like you don't even realize I'm there, which I find a bit rude. This has caused me to wake up quite irritable and is making me reassess my initial favorable opinion of you two as decent blokes. I would have expected better treatment as a loyal fan of 10 days. What have you got to say to snurt? I mean, I would say, Snurt, you're putting a lot of blame on us for something that is not our responsibility at all. A, a we don't recommend you listen to this podcast to go to sleep. Haven't Not once ever. In fact, on other times when people have suggested that that's what they do, I've been against it, to be honest. Like, I'm not going to tell yeah. people how to live their lives, but I'm against it for this very reason. Like, if we're suddenly in your dreams, if we're Inception style <laughs> inside your head, and then suddenly you're like getting mad at us for not behaving the way that you want us to behave in your imagination, then look, that's tough for us to be able to refute, isn't it? Like it's tough for us to be able to. Oh yeah. And it's also like, you know, the way your brain works while going into sleep and, you know, the, the fact that it's just sort of your subconscious sort of like, you know, just putting stuff away in your brain, like you are giving us identities that are actually part of your subconscious. So if we're shitting you, you know what's going on? You're shitting yourself. Did you exactly. win? The it's shit your Will and Charlie. It's your <laughs> own version of Will and Charlie that shit you, not us, the people, what your brain imagines us to be. <laughs> this is from Ian. It's not really worth reading out, but the last line was worth it. Um, Hi, Will and Charlie. Missed you guys over the summer. To make up for your absence, I made models out of you out of cardboard boxes. We then went on picnics together. I feel that cardboard Will and Charlie are my best friends, and we go to the pub together at least once a week. They're a bit quiet, though. My knob is enormous. Love, Ian. <laughs> I mean, we get all kinds listening to this show, don't we? High class. You know what? Clientele. Like the world, the world has just, we've all lost it a bit, haven't we? I <laughs> like think so. It's just. The quality of just. I mean, how can you, how can you look at the world and exist in this world at the moment and not be a little bit affected by it and want to just. I don't know, cut out some – I think that – who was that listener? Ian. Ian's got to get, get together with the previous listener. Oh, yeah. And I think between the voices in his imagination, <laughs> like maybe they can go out together and this guy can do the voices for the cardboard cutouts. Oh, can defend us. the Will and Charlie that he already has. Yeah. Yeah. So the previous listener, the dream listener who's got the issue with us, maybe mm. Ian can come to our – Defense as oh. cardboard, Will and Charlie. That makes sense. Mm. <laughs> uh, let's finish on this one. Well, this is from Simone. Uh-huh. The subject is the problem with TOEFOP. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Where do we start? I listen to a lot of news and political podcasts, and TOEFOP is a welcome break in my new episodes list each day. <laughs> I've added the problem with John Stewart to my podcast list recently, and it has a similar guitar intro to TOEFOP. It's very strange to feel ready for accusations of bin misconduct and conversations about Batman and time travel and instead get a deep dive into problems with the stock market or violent crime in America. It's an unpleasant 
albeit amusing juxtaposition. I love your work and I'm grateful for your podcast, Simone. Ah, she got us. She said she had a problem with it, but she actually was giving us a compliment. I like that. Yeah, it was a play on I words. Mean, That's what I liked. We have, but we know the last two episodes, we've talked a lot about serious issues. We get to the last eventually, but uh, it's a bit hard to avoid talking about serious issues at the moment, isn't it? I mean, speaking of serious issues, so you talked before about what do you do to contribute? And I know that you've been out there in the community and um, I think, yeah, we're cooking some stuff today to take into one of the centres tomorrow and we've got a bag full of stuff, some more stuff to take in as well. And, you know, you try to contribute in that way, but there is another way that I can contribute. Uh, So next Saturday night and the following Saturday night, so that'll be the 19th and the 26th, I believe, um, at the Brunswick Picture House in Brunswick Heads, one of the communities that was a bit affected by what has been going on. And the Brunswick Picture House was actually being used as an emergency centre for people who had been unhoused or needed to pick things up and all those sort of things. So um, I am going to do two shows of my improvised show, What You Talking About, Will? Oh, well, two nights. To be honest, if we sell more than enough tickets, I'll do two shows on the day, you know, raise as much money as we possibly can. So all the money... Um, that I raise from those shows will be going to local community charities. I'm trying to work out what the best way to distribute it is because at the moment, you know, you've got your big sort of huge charities and we've found with even money we raised in the past for bushfires and stuff that sometimes you worry that you raise all this money and then it doesn't get to the people who are in the emergency. And because we live in the community, I'd much rather, you know, Mm. try to get the money to people who actually practically need it in the moment. So trying to work out what the best way to distribute that money is. Um, but Air Cannon? Like it might be Gibbet. Like you're at the basketball, just like Air Cannon. Just stand on the top of Brunswick Picture House with an Air Cannon, just firing out cash. You know what? <laughs> guys, I, hey, guys, I know that um, making it rain has had a negative connotation <laughs> for a little while here, but I mean, just walk into the, like the Mullumbimby Hall and just start yeah. like, like yeah. Drake at a nightclub, just start like just making get, it rain. Amy walks in behind you carrying a ghetto blaster. You're just standing there. Look, I know Reclaiming, everyone feels mate. like you've lost your dignity. making it rain. Here you go, guys. Get on your hands and knees and pick up these notes. There you yeah. go. She's playing Millie Vanilli's Blame It on the Rain. I'm like, yeah. is, I'm like, is any of this on the nose? This is helping, right? I'm a hero. So um, two shows at the Brunswick Pitch House, or two nights. If there's demand for more than two shows, I'll do more than two shows. And um, the entirety of my money going to um, – uh, going to help people in the local community. And uh, then on Monday, the 28th, maybe, I think it is, at Twin Towns on the, sort of the, the near the border of um, yeah. New South Wales and Queensland, uh, there will be a huge comedy night there featuring Mandy Nolan, Ellen Briggs, who are both locals of this community, uh, myself, Tom Gleeson, and Kitty Flanagan. So, Again, we're not doing, we're not asking anybody for donations or anything like that. That's for other people to coordinate. We're just going to put on a comedy show that hopefully would sell out with that lineup, regardless. And, but just all the money that we raise is going to go to support local uh, community charities who need the money right now. So, uh, those three gigs, if you're in the local area or nearby and uh, you have the capacity to come to a show and, um, um, yeah, all the money going to help the community. Oh, speaking of lo- Northern Rivers people, sorry. Speaking of Northern Rivers people who need help, I'm also doing some shows for me. Melbourne Comedy Festival, <laughs> Sydney Comedy Festival, Brisbane Comedy Festival. I'm doing uh, We're Logical and What You're Talking About, Will, and they are all on sale now. Uh, speaking of other people, Northern Rivers people who need support, uh, we have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash <laughs> Uh, we put up full episodes of uh, the podcast there, full video episodes, so you can see Will and I, our faces as we talk, if you want to do that. There's also brand new episodes of Evan Relax, the comic strip that James Fosdyke is working on. Uh, and what's the other thing I need to promote as well? Uh, now, that's it for Patreon, but uh, Two Guys, One Cup is back this week. In fact, today, uh, when this episode comes out, there will be a brand new episode of Two Guys, One Cup. We have moved exclusively to the listener app. Uh, I know there's been some disgruntled 
listeners out there uh, uh, who don't want to download a free app to listen to a free podcast, look, I completely get that. If uh, it's too much, then that's too much. But for the people who do want to listen to this show who can't because they listen overseas, we think we've found a workaround, which is the episodes will still be going up on tofop.com. So you can still listen to the show on tofop.com. So if you're an international listener, a VPN should help you with that solution. I know it's not perfect. We're trying to work on something else to make it easier for listeners overseas to listen to it, but you can still hear the show if you desperately want to. And look, you know, it's, 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 it's something that we need to do to keep the show going, right? Will, like, you know, we, we do a lot of podcasts. We finally found a way we can monetize one of them. It's still free for you guys to listen to. I understand you have to download a new app and that's annoying, but that's what we needed to do to keep the show running. Yeah, not just keep that show running, but to keep all our show, the shows that we're doing running. You know, it's been a hard time for everybody over the last two years and, you know, it's been incredible the support that people have given us, but there's only so much money you can ask of people who – don't have that much money themselves at the moment and we don't want to be on here every week begging for you guys to to give us money like you know we would yeah. still love you to support our patreon and we hope there's value in the patreon for you like you know that yeah. makes it worth actually just signing up to the patreon anyway but but we needed to do something and our big priority was that it was still free to listen to we hadn't actually really kind of i mean because there's been so much other stuff going on international listeners we hadn't really had that top of mind you know, being yeah. a, a you know a podcast that is about a sport that's only really followed in three states of Australia, we didn't really think about international listeners when we were originally doing it. And so we're trying to find yeah good workarounds for people who want to listen from overseas. But if you're in Australia, it, I, I also get that it's annoying. A couple of shows yeah. that I listen to are on different apps, and of course it's annoying. But once you have the app on your phone or whatever, it's actually just like it's fine. You just go and you find the app and it's going to give us the capacity to do a better job with that podcast, but also, you know, be able to support our other podcasts. I did get the sense from some people though, that there was this idea that you and I had been seduced by like, you know, uh, Mm. like a big corporation that, you know, somehow that they'd sort of invited us in like Rob Lowe and Wayne's world. And they had promised us the world. Let me reassure you, no one has promised us fucking shit. (laughs) It was literally like a couple of phone calls and three emails and Will and I going, yeah, okay, I guess that can work. So, uh, uh, they promised the, they promised us the equivalent of Elon Musk sending a few satellite phones to the rivers. (laughs) But yeah, they saw what's left over from Hamish and Andy. They found some crumbs underneath their desk. Yeah. They said, you guys can have that. But yes, like yeah. Will says, it helps yeah. us. Well, basically, they said to us, show. you know this thing that everybody else thinks has no value? We think it has a small amount of value. <laughs> <laughs> uh, everything can be found at tofop.com, all that information. And look, if you want to stay up to date with everything that's happening in our universe, you can sign up for our newsletter. You just go to the website. Oh, and... That's the other thing I want to say is uh, I've finished the update. So all episodes of TOEFOP are now back on the website. Um, so uh, I spent a few late nights uh, just updating all that kind of info. So you can actually go to the website now and find everything, every podcast we do, everything you want to know. And if you want to find out what's happening during the week, you sign up for our newsletter, you'll get sent something on a Friday, which will just bring you up to speed on everything. But I think that's it, right? That's it. That's it. Let's finish the show, hey? You normally say your name first, don't you? No, <laughs> yes, waiting okay, to say yes. yes. Yes, sorry. I know, but I was waiting for you to say, sorry, yeah, Charlie, we should finish the show. Out loud permission, and I understand that it's a good age of consent. It's a very valuable message yeah. to send. Consent. To yeah. Enthusiastic. Consent. Ask me again. Will, should we end the show? Yes. <laughs> I'm Charlie Clausen. I'm Will Anderson. This podcast is a TOEFOP production. Head to TOEFOP.com for more. Cool things for cool people.